Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Give us some horns. There they are. Right on cue. Monday, 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 fun day. What is up, everybody? And welcome into the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Off-season edition, boys. It's the off-season. Man, we've been on on-season for so long. So long. Uh, Thank we're officially, the good Lord. Officially, it's 103 degrees out in Denver. Perfect temperature to kick off the off-season. Um, here to do that. I got the fellas with me. Uh, you guys might know Eric. Do you? Does anyone really know me? I think I've said that before, but do you know me? Do you know what my heart desires are, Adam? I know that you're wearing all black today. Is this? Uh, it's Monday, all black. Is this the new Eric? Are you? Are you like um, goth and, and sad now? Do I need to reintroduce myself to you? I'm the guy that makes all of our shirts, and they're all black. <laughs> you always complain every time we're like we i made this black shirt one. Always this like, shirt oh. i made it's of david roddy i made this and i chose black as the color for it to go on well there you go thank you great job on that <laughs> color choice is black a color another question for us uh over it's here all colors it is all colors uh over here i've got none other than the slugger himself the little slugger the pocket slugger Brennan vote <laughs> tiny kings are back it's uh the summer short kings are back in home run derby champion Bottom of my feet are completely burned off, but it was worth it. I mean, it I, honestly, how many points do you get deduced for, for getting your shoes? Like, there's no other adults out there that you're like, hey, did you – don't forget to bring your shoes to, to the, the field. Uh, vote an anomaly in that way. Yeah, I can't avoid embarrassing myself, even when I win. Did you showed up to the event without shoes? Yeah, I did. You so you got in your without car shoes. without shoes. Is what no, I wore slides, guys. But then we got on a baseball field, a diamond, and uh, slides were not the move. That was oh, definitely not the move. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Over okay. here, still in an undisclosed location. It's just really his home now. It's uh, Harrison Wynn. I can't believe D-Line didn't parlay that David Roddy reference into talking about David Roddy Summer League. Like, missed opportunity for you, D-Line. Like, we got a whole show, Big missed baby. opportunity. We got a whole show. Let's go. I can't okay. even tell if he's been good or if just every. You know how everybody just latches on to a summer league story and Kenny Lofton and David Roddy being like wide bodies that that are fun is like that's like the story. Everyone's like, they could be averaging eleven points. Everybody be like, man, they're the best. Nobody, nobody's uh, telling that story about Mitchell, our own, <laughs> which could be the same thing. But clearly, that's not it. That's so true. Yeah, it's so David Roddy just had nineteen points. Hit hit a couple threes the other night. I heard he had a monster dunk. Shouts to David Roddy, former DNVR uh, athlete. Guys, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to tie a bow on Summer League, thank God. Um, there's a good chance that today will be the last time anyone ever mentions the Denver Nuggets' 2022 Summer League. Very good chance. This is the, the final time you'll ever hear about it. It'll be a distant, fainting memory like when you wake from a, a dream. Uh, we're also going to talk about some news and notes from around the association. Jack White signs a two-way deal. We'll probably get to that in segment one. Uh, Harden. Takes less money, according to him. Takes less money to go back. He said, hey, fill up the roster and then get me when you're done. We're going to talk about that great story. As well as Russell Westbrook, who said the opposite. Don't trade me. I'm too good. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a star. I'm still a star in this league. And then lastly, more importantly, the longer third segment. I'm actually very excited for this. Starting, you know what the offseason is for? Crafting the narrative around. Like, we've seen all the pieces. The Nuggets are complete now. We know what the Nuggets are going to look like here in basically two months when they assemble for training camp. Isn't that crazy, by the way? There's only two months. When they assemble for training camp, we kind of know what they're going to look like. We know what the storylines are, so we're going to start to talk about those. What's the main storyline? 
But first, we get to our top story, which is, of course, Summer League ended last night. It was a real barn burner. The Nuggets have struggled with shot creation, and you know they needed some guys to create. So what do they do? They sit Colin Gillespie and Christian Brown yesterday. Woo boy. The Nuggets scored like four points in like 20 minutes between midway through the first quarter and halftime. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, Eric, I know you were the most excited for the game. What uh, what was your main takeaway from the last game? So when you say barn burner, I assume that means you want to put it in a barn as it burns down. That's I think that's like, yeah, right. just burn it. The, burn it up. Just burn it. Uh, so, yes, it, garbage time during summer league is – a low I thought I'd never quite achieve uh, where there's like literally like it's one thing to latch onto guys you've only seen play four times before. And then like you start to root for them, but then those guys are taken away and it's just a whole set of new guys. And you're like, I can't, I can't do this again. I can't, I can't pretend that these are the nuggets. So then it was just like a bunch of guys running around, not making shots. Um, It's really, it was difficult to really pull anything from this last summer league game to, I mean, I had a hard time. Like I, I, Jack, I have Jack, Jack white is a guy that we're going to become yeah. acquainted with one way or the other. Um, Adonis arms had a really good showing. Yeah, uh, he did. Interesting. Actually. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Kamagate was like oddly invisible for such a tall uh, man. Um, beyond that, it just was like a lot of like, okay. okay. All right. Like, there yeah. we go. <laughs> Wait, what about you? Do you have a takeaway? Like, I'm not hot take, but just some like perspective now. Maybe not just from this game, but now that it's all over. Well, I mean, the only guy that I, I think we like were really, really interested in watching yesterday, Peyton Watson. What yesterday showed us again that this guy is really far away from being a contributor at the NBA level. He had one great game at Summer League. Like, like that it was a really game, good one too he was awesome if he had five games like that we'd be talking mm-hmm. about peyton watson as somebody who can play for the nuggets next season but if he, he had did. two games if he had two games like that honestly like he had one <sighs> and it's the only thing that saves me from like you know maybe going to like okay we yeah. saw one potential but if he had he, two he, i'd be like inconsistent but upside he had one amazing game four games that just left a lot to be desired and he's a long way away i I still am going to say I'm a believer in Peyton Watson, but not a believer that he can help the Nuggets next season. Definitely not. Yeah, but th- that was also sold to us. I mean, th- that that I think we knew coming in. But yeah. do you have anything kind of you want to fire off? Uh, just that, you know, with Watson, reset the expectations. I mean, it was sold as a two, three-year project. So is it damning yeah. that he didn't look great? No. Uh, you would have liked to see more to latch on to, right? And then you can say – Okay, there's this, that, and that. He does really well. We hope we see that pop in the G League. Didn't necessarily get those answers, but he is a project, so looking forward to see if and how he grows from there. But look, at the end of the day, that was a tryout team that was trying out for a defensive slot on a roster, and it was not built to go and win Summer League, and we really saw that come to a head in that last game. Yeah, I I think I'll go a little bit further than all you guys here and just say that I don't see it with Peyton. And that doesn't mean that it's not there. It is just summer league. So there's that caveat, but it also isn't nothing. And this is one thing like, it is funny because we'll get comments every now and then on some of our pages that are like, Oh my God, guys, chill out. It's just sort of like, there's truth to that. Like there is, it does belong at a point, but it's also a data point. Like all, all the rookies played, right? We saw all the rookies. So we kind of <laughs> got to look for, okay, some of the guys you would expect Paolo Bencaro, you know, Chet Holmgren, these guys looked good. Like, okay, that, so it's not nothing. And then more importantly, the questions you had about Peyton Watson specifically coming into this are the questions that I walk away with. You know, number one, he averaged three points per game, highly publicized, didn't play a ton of minutes. He averaged eight points per game in summer league. Eight. You know, that's that's not a lot, especially for a team that was featured to kind of say, hey, we don't have a lot of scores, so you're going to have some opportunities here. He shot 31%, I think, from the field or 38, something like that, really low percentage. Same thing in summer league. It matched. He clearly had a difficult time finishing, not just from outside on his jumper, which we knew, but even from getting to the basket, you know, the, you think about it, there weren't a lot of easy plays where he got to the rim and had the easy finish. And some of that is on him. Some of that is on the, you know, maybe the construction of the roster, but he also didn't have a lot of like tough finishes, which you think like, okay, he's using the athleticism and length to get those finishes. So a lot of the concerns, honestly, I walk away from this feeling the exact way, but more to the point, I wanted to see, 
a path where I looked at what, what you saw and he said, okay, here's the step-by-step thing that's going to happen. He's got this part of his game. So hone in on that and then add this part, then add this part. I walk away from this going, he didn't impress me quite as much as a defender as I was hoping. You know, he was billed as like a Herb Jones type defender. I didn't feel that necessarily on ball. Like, Oh, Oh my God, this is a guy that just erases somebody or as a shot blocker, like, Oh my God, this guy's everywhere. So I didn't feel that way. And then on offense, it was like, the amount of work ahead for him seems so, so there's so much that I'm not like, oh yeah, he's gonna develop a jump shot. He's gonna develop a handle. And then on top of that, he's gonna get a pick and roll game. And then on top of that, his passing will improve. And there's just so many things. So that's one of my big takeaways is I looked at Watson. I really want to like the guy because as a person, I seem to really like him. I just don't see it. That's a guy I, I would bet against. I'm rooting for him, but I would bet against if you told me, does he, does he not make it? I'd say, I don't think, I don't think so. To that point, the defense was sold as the part that was going to be ready now or was supposed to be ready now. And he didn't look ready now on that end either. Right. So I, I definitely agree he look away, he looks a ways away. But just drawing a line between him looking this way right now versus if he looks like that way in a second summer league, then you're really worried. There's, some, like, there's a comment here. He's 19. Give him time. A, a, a thousand percent. This is not a, hey, he's a lost cause. But almost everyone out there was 19. Like this isn't. He was there were obviously older players. There were the Jack Whites, the guys from overseas or this or that. But there was a lot of rookies that came into this at 19 years old. So we're even judging him based on those things. So, again, not closing the book on him, just saying from where we're starting, we're actually starting a little bit behind where I expected, to be honest with you. Um, The the thing with Watson, though, is like what we've heard about him is he just needs time to play. He barely played last year at UCLA. He... Did play at Summer League, but still, it was five games. He's going to need just time and minutes and reps to really, you know, flash his whole skill set and kind of develop into the type of player that he's going to be. So that's what this next season is about, getting him just playing time in the G League because, like, you can tell he just still kind of doesn't know really what he is. And I think he's going to figure out a lot of that over this next year. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just say on just sort of a large view of summer league in general, like this is probably the first summer league that I've watched that there isn't a player coming out of it that I'm like super excited about, you know, I'm sort of like, okay, like, you know, Brown looks like not <clears throat> as much of a project as uh, Peyton Watson does, but both of them sort of look like they need a massive injection of, if nothing else, confidence. And they need to like, Brown to me started off really strong. Like he, he came out, he, you know, was doing some of the things that he was billed uh, to be uh, a player that does like having, you know, screaming at guys and finishing dunks and getting big rebounds and his rebounding kept up the entire time. His, his steals never dropped off, but like he just, he just shrunk as the, as summer league went on. And um, I was kind of expecting him to be just kind of like that, you know, that Grayson Allen for lack of a better comp type player that just is like sort of jawing at guys. Like he's the guy, I mean, you know, people were telling us that he's the guy that, the other team hates and right. he, you'll end up loving him. I don't him feel like anybody like, hated him in summer league. And no, nothing. I mean, like, yeah. he was, he was like, he just felt like kind of like a little kid out there, honestly. And, you know, obviously there's plenty of time in this, in this man's career, in this man's life. He can absolutely get to that place. I mean, we've seen it on frankly, the biggest stages like to, to do and, and be that player on the, in a national championship is not, yeah, nothing. It's a big deal. I'll, I'm just surprised yeah, he wasn't say, able to carry it over to summer league. I'll say this: Grayson Allen shot 30 percent from the field in summer league, 23 percent <laughs> from three. He was awful point, in summer yeah, league. I'm Eric's looking up his stats is, right now. It's almost less about the player and more about it's the attitude. Like, about the attitude, because I agree with you. Like this Nuggets team didn't have an edge this summer league. They didn't have an identity. Like we kept saying, they were going to be a, a team full of winners. They went two and three. They were a team full of winners and that, oh, you've got these guys that are going to get into you and they're going to be tough and mean and this or that. And kind of as it went on, it just felt like a pickup game, which is what it is, a glorified one. Now, again, it doesn't mean a whole lot other than the Nuggets need that element. And he's one of the guys that I think needs to provide it. So for whatever reason, I agree with you. He kind of felt like he was trying to not piss anyone off when we were kind of like hoping he would be getting in people's faces. But I also agree with you that I think Summer League is such a – more it's easier to be a offensive minded and i think with him specifically For his sure. role was extra and i think his confidence there dipped 
So it's harder to scream in somebody's faces when you rip them four times, which he did. He got a bunch of steals. It's harder to do that when you have six points. So I I wonder if that's part of what it was. But we didn't, we did see the stuff that makes him playable, right? I agree. He, that motor was not an issue, right? The rebounding, the defense, he was a menace. And physically, while I wasn't impressed by him as a lead scorer or ball handler in either role, I wasn't expecting to. And I, he did look different physically moving from some other guys. For me, you highlighted this in your lists, Adam, but the way he takes off in transition is notable. Yeah. He looked like an NBA athlete in that regard compared to the other guys on the floor. So it wasn't an explosive summer league, but I thought we saw the elements of what makes him a guy you're more confident you can play sooner rather than later. I, I walk away from summer league pretty impressed with Christian Brown. Like yeah. I, I wish he made more shots because that would have made this whole thing way easier. If he just made like five more of the threes he took, so he was at like 38, 39%, right. we'd be like, okay, three and D. Like fills up the stat sheet, shoots the ball. I, do, I think shooting is the thing that you could probably read into the least because it's such a small sample size that it's hard to extrapolate too much from. The Jamal Murray missed the first 17, 20, well, however many shots of his career. It was a lot. So I kind of, I don't throw it out. It's a data point, but I kind of say, okay, I'm not as worried about that, but let's pay attention now in preseason and camp. Like, let's pay attention to here if Christian Brown is shooting well. Maybe he got a little more arc on his shot because it is a little bit flat. But I do walk away thinking this guy does things that the Nuggets need and will look good, I think, alongside the the Nuggets, the real Nuggets. Um, So I'm actually, I would give him a neutral. I'm the same as I was on draft, (laughs) draft night for him. Um, Kamagate is an interesting one after one game, two games. Everybody wanted to bring him over immediately. He's the backup center. Get rid of DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> Immediate amnesty sign now. Amnesty. I feel less like I feel less like that now. I mean, he to me, he looks more like a project now that we've seen five games of him. It's like, okay, that's a guy that has some real upside, but also I think has a hard time putting his imprints on the on a game. What did you see from him, Harrison? I saw the same things. It is interesting, though, that Kamigate played like 27 minutes a game in Europe last year in the top league in France. Like, it's not like he wasn't playing at all last season. His conditioning should be better than it was, I feel like. His just overall feel, I felt like, should have been a little better than it was because he was playing at a high level last season. So um, I was a little disappointed in that, but you kind of think about the – Run up that he had the summer league. He wasn't able to practice the first week. You give him a little bit of a pass for that. I'm I'm about even on on Kamigate. I still think he come he could come over next season and be the backup center. I really do, but um, he still has a little bit to go. Yeah, like for for me, like uh, the the one the one thing about the team as a whole is that we were looking for defensive stalwarts. We weren't looking necessarily for offensive production, but this team got bullied. Like they didn't bully teams at all. They, they weren't like, they weren't stopping teams. They I felt like, like they did in game two, there was a stretch where they defended so well. And I was like, man, look at this. Yeah, but like, it was like a, sh- yeah, but it was, it, th- that was more the exception than the rule. And particularly against Philadelphia, like they just got, just like the last they two got games, they, they got bullied the last two games pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, I yes. just didn't feel Kam- like is worse than DeAndre Jordan right now. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I just didn't feel, I didn't feel the physicality from the squad really ever, except for that stretch that you're, you're mentioning. Kamigate is part of that. Like I was expecting him to be more, I mean, he certainly had his moments where he was um, that force in the middle and sort of like, deterring shots or whatever but as summer league went on i mean he just he became invisible like people were there weren't people that were being deterred from driving finishing at the rim people were dunking like you know i'm I'm sure a lot of that had having not like reviewed the film and and seen exactly like what uh, led to a lot of the defensive breakdowns like i don't know if it's him i don't know if it's the, the rest of the squad but i just didn't feel like we had like a real heavy presence in the middle that i was expecting from from kamigate everything we're saying obviously this is great it is summer league it's a mess there's a lot of like especially on defense defense requires communication we're talking about a guy that doesn't even speak the language we're talking about right, you know, right. people that sort of have to understand where other players are on the floor so that the switches are correct and they know who to, to count on um so a lot of this is like not fair to to really judge exactly um what we're seeing but i just just thought just simply physically 
it, he would seem more imposing than he did. Like in the end, like I said, all of the players sort of combined, I'm sort of like, all right. Like, I think the, the player I'm most excited about coming out of summer league is, is our uh, undrafted Colin Gillespie. <laughs> crazy. Three drafted guys. I'm like, yeah. okay, we'll see. Well, I will say just quickly on Kamigate, he is one guy that I really wish was in the U S in the G league for them. I know it never would work out that way, but I do. It is one thing where I do think the nuggets can mold him. Like he, he does some things very, very well. I'm very in on him, but I do think like, what is he going to do in Paris next year? He'll play basketball, you know, and at a higher level than what the G league would be. But I do wish he could just kind of get with the nuggets training mm-hmm. staff and, and spend that year. So that's one thing with him is <laughs> I know this is a t- tough comparison because I already like him more than Peter Cornelly. But it does remind me, if you remember, Peter Cornelly's first summer league, we were kind of like, all right, intrigued, whatever. His next summer league was so bad. You were like, how'd this guy get worse? And like, basketball <laughs> less. So, and I hope that doesn't happen with Kamagate. I hope he, he, he yeah. gets the right training over there. Um, Colin Gillespie and Jack White, we can kind of pair them together. They're now the two two-way guys. I thought Colin Gillespie was great. I think there's a really good chance that he actually ends up becoming a rotation piece, which would be an enormous win for an undrafted player. Like we just talked about all the drafted guys and what long shots they are. Colin Gillespie, if he plays for the Nuggets, like actual meaningful minutes, even if it's only for a season, that would be such a huge win. And I kind of see it as a thing that is going to happen. I I really like his skill set. I think he's solid. Um, I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think at some point he's a guy that like maybe is not penciled in into the rotation, but fills in for the rotation and surprises everybody by like, oh, wow, we just went two months with Colin Gillespie as backup point guard and you wouldn't have even noticed it in the win-loss column. I was hoping the way these slots would work out. I'm definitely not valuing upside and scalability as much as some others, I think. I For that Nuggets, if they're healthy, I think the two-way slots are really break glass in case of emergency and hopefully you're hoping to avoid that emergency altogether. So... I was just looking for playable guys, um, and I think both of them fit that mold. Colin, I mean, look, in year one, the Faku thing, it worked. I mean, to a certain extent, alongside an insane player in Jokic and other insane talents, but that's sort of what we're talking about. Like, if he had to play a game here or there, is he playable? He looks close to it for me right now. I mean, we'll have to see what it looks like at the next level, but that's just the word I would give both of them. I think they're guys you can play, trust them to avoid mistakes, not look catastrophic out there. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's kind of what I'm valuing with these two, two-way slots. Hopefully, guys, hopefully we don't spend much time talking about them throughout the season. No. Yeah. But we probably will. Right. We probably will. We probably will because I think Colin Gillespie is going to have a similar track to the one Monte Morris had with the Nuggets. And if you remember Monte with the Nuggets as a rookie, spent most of the year in the G League, but there were times because we know the Nuggets backcourt tends to you know I think have he injuries. Only played three games, though, Harrison. I think he only played three in his rookie season. But I, I do remember like there was a time when he popped in and you're like, oh, okay, th- this guy's yeah. something. Yeah. So I, I think it will I be guess. a similar type of role uh with Colin Gillespie next season. He's not going to play a ton, but I think he'll get a couple opportunities and you're going to be like, oh, okay. This guy's more than capable here. Yeah, and like overall, my feeling with any draft year is that you should expect to get one player out of any draft. And if it turns out to be Colin Gillespie, like, (laughs) all right, fine. Like, um, And he's, you know, like, I I mean, I really do see it with him. He, to me, has not only the skill set but he's got like the attitude he's like seems re- i mean he's steady colin gillespie super unflappable yeah. like he um really just made the right play over and over and over which is just you know if you're talking about a guy that is primarily a facilitator that that's that's gold like that's an absolutely playable skill that's something you can totally project I, I mean i really hope we don't talk about him all year that would be terrible if we if we are like worrying if we are counting well, on Colin Gillespie at some yeah. point. That, that's bad. That's really well. The bad. one thing I'll say is that the thing that surprised me that's most encouraging is he just was really tough. I didn't. Yeah. I kind I of expected him to be solid and quiet or something. I don't know, but he's like he's pretty tough. Like you see it more oh, when you're yeah. live. But guys yeah. jawing at him and going at him, and then he would just go right back. Like not not jawing back at him, but just be like, dude, you think you think I'm a scrub? Like let me kind yeah. of show you here, lock you up, or take you to the hole, or whatever. Yeah. So I was impressed with him in that capacity, and I really do think that's super important um, for these incoming rookies. Go ahead. On Jack White, too, 
Well, let's see on the other side. Other side. Jack oh. White on the other side. Let's hit a break, and then we're going to get to Jack White, the final nugget added this season. Hell yeah. If you guys haven't signed up for Evocta TV, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get set up with these guys now so you're ready to go for nugget season in the fall because, hey, we don't know if you'll be able to watch Altitude on Comcast. In fact, I, I doubt you will. So Evoca TV, they've got Altitude Sports, they got AT&T Sports, they got other national channels as well. You can get Evoca TV at evoca.tv slash DNVR for only $15 a month those first three months, but you can only get it at that price with the code DNVR. That gives you $10 off your first three months, comes out to $15 a month, plus a receiver, no contracts, no hidden fees. Go to evoca.tv slash DNVR to get set up with them. Again, they've got Altitude Sports, other national channels as well. Gets it up with Evoca TV today. You can also watch the DNVR channel on Evoca TV. Yes, you can watch us on the DNVR channel. Evoca.tv slash DNVR to get set up with them. Also, Athletic Greens. This is a partner that has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy and an optimized immune system. And I also hated taking pills and vitamins. But one scoop of delicious Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens as well. It works with every type of diet, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, no matter what your diet you're on, Athletic Greens fits with that diet. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health. Arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. Just one scoop of Athletic Greens and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to Athletic Greens dot com slash nuggets athleticgreens.com slash nuggets to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance all right back here segment two dnvr nuggets podcast um so jack white gets the final two-way it's funny because coming in we heard a lot of buzz from from three uh summer league camp about mitchell and arms those were the two guys that you thought had the inside track with jack white being a third you know he was right there as well but more of a third guy and some of this is that Jack White didn't get to go through practice. So there was no buzz for him because he arrived on the last day and basically had to walk right into the games. Personally, I think he was clearly the best guy. Yep. Whether he was the right pick for that, I think there's room for debate. It wasn't so clear. But if you just talked about who was the most impactful player, he was good in all of the games he played. And I think the, probably the best nugget in a couple of them, at least. So to me, he was an interesting one. Vote. How do you analyze the decision to go with Jack White? I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I, I can certainly understand maybe viewing some of the things arms could do as, as more useful or, or glove on hand fit. But at the end of the day, that was a showcase. That was a yeah. summer league run. Uh, that was a, that was a tryout run for these guys. And Jack White looked the best. Jack White played better than the other guys who potentially could have done this, that, or that. There's what Jack did, which was play winning basketball. I would say, four if not five times you know in those games so not surprised by that and maybe there's more versatility or whatever yeah. in, in arms but how well did he play not particularly well till ironically that last game when the spot was already sealed so i just thought jack white played he earned it right if, if that was a tryout process he he was the best candidate i saw on reddit by the way that with the signing of jack white the nuggets now have a seven nation army <laughs> He he becomes the seventh player. From- <laughs> 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 hey, come on, that was a funny one. I think that's not even uh, my. Thing that, is, that actually is amazing. I, no, I already that's great. That's great. I love it. Army, that, love it. Yeah. So what do they have? The Canada, America, uh, Australia, Australia, Serbia, Serbia Slovenia, Slovenia. Slovenia what are the other two? Do we? Oh, we got two more. Is We're not Argentina thinking. still in the in the fall? No. no, because what would they have not had it last year with Argentina? Well, they might have. I'm France just saying. With the <laughs> they didn't have Jack White, so now it's the Seven Nation Army, right? In Australia. Right. Uh, so Harrison, tell me real quick, does he have upside? I mean, I would look at Jack White 
in a similar way do you look at Vlatko? Can he come in and play a hole and be a plug-and-play guy? Yeah, probably. Like, I think Jack White could be that guy at the NBA level. Uh, I agree with you guys. He pretty much came out and just won the competition. Like, there's a competition for this 2A spot. He came in as the dark horse, but just outplayed Adonis Arms and Matt Mitchell. He was just the best player out of those three guys, and Kellen Grady kind of faded. But Jack White just won that competition. And I think the Nuggets like a lot of things about him. They love how he can just be a connector and that glue guy, that fifth option whenever he's on the floor. He doesn't need the ball, but he can still really contribute to winning. They also love his intangibles. Like Jack White's a great leader. He was a two-year captain at Duke. He played with a lot of great players there. He just kind of knew how to fit in. And that's who he was in Australia with Melbourne, where he was playing the last couple of years. He's a great locker room guy. First guy into the gym, last guy out type of dude. Michael Malone really likes him too uh, because of those intangibles. So I give credit to Jack White. Like he came in here as the underdog for this two-way spot and just won it. He was just the best player. Eric, what would he play though for Denver? Like what's the path to – because when you get a two-way guy, the hope is that he could fill a role for you. What is the like best case scenario for Jack White making an impact? Um. Well, he has a good outside shot. I mean, I guess probably he, he would be – I, don't know. I mean, he is decent. I mean, he made terrible. he made him in this, but I don't know if he has like shot two that's or four the X factor for him. He just happened to make league. him in summer league. Fair enough. I mean, he he's just like a guy to play defense, get rebounds. He could be uh, an AG sort of like he could. He's Vlatko, man. Think think of the yeah, exactly. think of the times when the Nuggets have needed Vlaco Chanchar. Like just sub Jack White in for that in that it's same true. scenario. He's more sure. he's like the guard, the wing version of Vlatko. Yeah, I guess so. He's just Similar like he's position. just like Mister Solid. Like the, he just has. This isn't hold like, up. This is insane to me. Vlaco is enormous. Jack White is my size. Like I think I think because I've seen this a lot that the he's Vlatko. Whatever the, the numbers are going to say, I stand next to both of them. Vlatko looks like a guy I could not push around. Like if he was like backing me down, he would just Shaquille O'Neal me. Jack White looks my size. So I think they're yeah, pretty Jack White six six, Vlaco six eight. I mean Vlaco. <laughs> He's been on the Felipe Eichenberger workout plan the last three years. That's the difference. <laughs> that is a big part of it. Blacko, Blacko, but just I just I say that to say I think Blacko is a four who can maybe play five and I guess somewhat three. And I think Jack White is a three, three that can maybe play four. Exactly. Exactly. Sure. exactly. The funniest we've said this before. The funniest part about Jack White to me is that I didn't know anything about him coming into the summer league. I was like, oh man, I love this underdog story. This guy came out of nowhere. He went to Duke. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like the least underdog story of all time. <laughs> like, He's been playing professionally for a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like he, <laughs> uh, hilarious. But he, I don't know. He just seems like a good guy to have on the have on the squad. Like you know, yeah. a guy that it should some you know there should there be some opening. The Nuggets need something defense on somebody. Like you can put Jack White in for some amount of time and like bridge the gap. Like he just seems like that kind of guy, like duct tape, basically. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that does it for all of the guys here. I'm, I'm excited for Jack White. I think it'd be good. It is also meaningful that he was playing professionally in Europe and he signed a two-way. I don't know what his contract was. Or I'm sorry, he's playing in Australia. I don't know what his contract was, but almost certainly it is a reduction in pay to go to Grand Rapids and play for the gold. So it is kind of a meaningful thing when a guy his age who could probably sign more lucrative contracts decides, nope, let's keep this NBA dream alive a little bit. Um, some breaking news coming down the pipe, guys. I don't know if you saw this. No. What? <laughs> you didn't want to announce it? No. I'm, I'm just so – I'm just uh, – every time I see his name. Kenny Hustle. My guy, Kenrich Williams, just signed an extension with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Four years, $27 million. That's a pretty good deal for Kenny Hustle, who, remember, by the Nuggets kind of discovered but didn't have a spot for him. He went on to be an excellent role player. The price, two first-rounders is what you needed to trade last year at the deadline to be able to get him. Um, meaningful note, he shares an agent with uh, Zeke Naji, which I think is an interesting little detail here. You surprised – why, Harrison, are you surprised at all by this number, $27 million for Kenrich Williams? Me personally, no. I, I love Kenrich Williams. I love Kenny Hustle. <laughs> you just hate I would pay him that. Spoken. I just hate seeing this because I know Kenny Hustle wants to stay in Oklahoma City. Like that's that's what sucks about this. He wants to be there. He loves being with the Thunder, and 
it just puts another roadblock in between the Nuggets signing him or trading for him. <laughs> he just wants to be where his haircut makes sense in uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> it is true. Ken- Kenrich Williams, we could probably – it's probably the end of Kenrich to, to Denver, any type of discussion. It's, it's that's never, not, nope, it's that's never the end. Never the, we'll, we'll never be not linked to Kevin Love or Kenny Hustle. Those, those two <laughs> come up every year. Uh, some more news. Um, Russell Wilson or Russell Westbrook. I don't know if you guys saw this over the weekend. Parted ways with his agent. He's had the same agent basically his entire career. Uh, had the same agent, and his agent parted ways with him, and then wrote a note. I don't know if you guys saw this. I've he never wrote, seen that. I've, I've never, seen never seen it. And he basically told him like, "I've I've been in his corner the whole time. He's my guy. You guys all underrate him, but." But I think the best thing for him is to stay in Los Angeles where they clearly don't want him. That's my thing. He, you know, indicating he wants to be moved, this or that. I can no longer in good conscience do like do what he wants me to do. I've, I've been with him this whole time. Bizarre. Uh, vote. You've never seen anything like it. How do you how do you break down this bizarre story? Well, it's a really interesting choice to to publicly. Can we call it throwing Russ under the bus? No, because sure. I, I thought that too. No, I don't think it was, man. Like it was, it was weird. But I actually feel like he, if you read the statement, he wasn't throwing him under the bus. He wasn't throwing just, him under the bus. He was just gently placing him under a bus, like in the in the road. I would say yeah. that he it, he sees are. Russell Westbrook with a bus headed for him, and he has given up on trying to save it. Right. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> He's walked. If he wants to get hit by the bus, he can get hit by the bus. I can't. I only. Yeah. I. It's. I've never seen anything like it. I think it. Look, this rest situation is very, very weird. And from the outside, which I am very much in, not an insider in this situation, it just seems like r- maybe Russ is having a harder time readjusting his perspective on himself than those folk in his corner at the moment. What do you, you think? think? I, I don't know, man. He's not Jason Tatum. I'm not just going to hammer him. <laughs> Eric, what do you make of it? I don't know. It's so bizarre. Like, why would an agent – you want your client to move. Every time they sign a new contract, you get a piece of it. This seems insane that he's – he can't in good conscience move. I think he's just tired of the guy. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's literally might, no reason to be. not be involved. <laughs> He's saying, like, just dude, just stay with the Lakers. Like, enough already. Like, this sucks. Like, just I don't, you can find somebody else. I'm not brokering this deal. Like, I you're actually sullying my name around the NBA because uh you keep getting these terrible deals and I'm involved in it. Um no, no, that's not sullying. Is are you kidding for an eight? You think agents feel bad when their clients get overpaid? They're like, damn, no, I'm but they with the, my name around here. Well, no, but the, with the NBA guy. side, like they, he comes into an, a negotiation. It's like, okay, it's the the Russell I, Westbrook guy. Can like, I tell you? I think it's the exact opposite. I think egg egg shit is on egg shit is onto this. I'm just calling him by this name. I thought the agent was absolving himself of any strategic de- decision making. I think he's right. There's no more money to be had. West Russell's yeah, already paid so the money. I think he's like. Three trades in three years, worn out as welcome everywhere. Like, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm and then also another piece of this that's important who is this agent? What who was he going to be squared up against in this next negotiation? None other than Rich Paul and the Lakers organization, but none other than Rich Paul. I think there might just be a writing on the wall of wow, this is I like, I know exactly how this is gonna go, and (laughs) I'm getting out. I'm getting out of this before I just get crushed <laughs> against an unstoppable force. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What what he also knows, what Russell Westbrook's agent also knows is that the only way for Russell Westbrook to save face in the NBA is to stay with the Lakers and like totally change his game and fit in with LeBron and Anthony Davis and and what they want to do there and be on a really good team. Like that's the only way for there ever to be any type of a Russell Westbrook resurgence. If Russell Westbrook continues on his current path, he's going to get traded and he's yeah. going to go to somewhere like Orlando and be a nobody for the rest of his career. How does, how the does only Russell way West- for him to save his career is to make it work in LA. Russ obviously doesn't want to do that. And so his agent is, is getting out while he can. I don't, how, does Russell, uh, how does Russell Westbrook change his game? 
Like, no, he, uh, he stops shooting as much as he does. I it's guess. pretty simple, man. Actually, Eric has a point here because there are like little skills that he could do, like just being a better off-ball player. He should be able to run into catches more so you're catching full steam against the scramble defense, which you would have every time if you just played off of LeBron. The thing is, these are things that players have to be aware of earlier in their career so you kind of start building them into who you are so that when it's time to flip the switch, you fully become an off-ball player which is what he could be. He has all of the skills and nat- God-given talents, athleticism, to be able to do that. He just has never done it. Like, if you watch Russell Westbrook when he was sharing the court with James Harden, when James Harden didn't have it, he would walk to half court. Like, he would just be like, yeah, I'm not in this play. And he'd be like, no, you can still be in the play. <laughs> like, you're just not the main piece of it. And this is the thing, is if he had been setting the table for that, I do feel like he could extend his career a bunch of years. It reminds me, actually, of Allen Iverson. People don't remember this. Iverson comes to Denver. He was clearly over the best part of his career, but he could still give you 50. He still was He was great. He gets two seasons with the Nuggets, starts to fall, especially in training camp. Nuggets trade him game three. Do you even remember where they traded him? Because his career was over like six months after Denver got rid of him. He went, you know, he goes yep. to Memphis, he has Detroit, and then all of a sudden he's gone. He's out the league, and you're thinking he was just scoring 50 like a year ago. I think that's going to be Russ, where it's like when you're no longer good at the one thing you like to do, the one style, you hadn't mm. built in the other aspects to evolve your game, and, and now it's going to be stuck like that. What does that face for vote? Oh, just a, a comment. If Russ went Toronto, they would become title favorites. Man. Woo! Spicy. <laughs> the Toronto culture is not that good, my man. It's not that good. I do, I, do think, I do think Russ could still be uh, a, like, people are going to laugh at this, an MVP candidate on the right team. It's just that, that this is what sucks about the Jokic-Westbrook comparisons is that Westbrook, I think, can max a team out as a six seed, whereas I think Yoke just carried a bad team to a six seed. But what I mean is, like, you could tell everyone to get out of Russ's way, just give him shooters, and you're going to be like, wow. he's No, you couldn't. No, you I, couldn't. I think no, you could. I don't think you could. I don't think he could. He's just he's not that guy really anymore. Quick, and again, I don't think that team is good, but they're good enough to just kind of like be hard a hard out that he, he's so hard to guard. Um, God, I, I hope a team tries that and they're going to wind up winning too. 30 games. Um, <laughs> please, please. Speaking of superstars being willing to alter their game for the greater good, James Harden has come out and let oh. everybody know. Yes, yes, the James Harden. He had a series of, of statements saying that he told the, the 76ers, listen, guys. I just want to win. You guys know me, James Harden, known winner. He's taking less money to sign as many players as needed to help contend. That's what he was he was going to do. And then in the same interview, by the way, guys, he mentions I wasn't very good last year. A really? little awareness from James Harden talking about, hey, I need to be a better player. Um, you know, he said it was the hamstring, which maybe it was. It was actually, I will say this equal parts crafting your own narrative which james harden has done his whole career with a little mixture of self-awareness and one of those is is he goes i've been perfectly healthy my whole career this injury is the first time i was like oh like this is what happens when you get injured and i could kind of understand this i think a lot of players 26 years old they're like i don't know man basketball is easy and then all of a sudden they're like oh when you get an ab muscle like oh that just makes everything you do worse yeah like right. okay and so maybe there is a little bit of self-awareness from him on this, but what do you make of him taking less money, Harrison? As I recall, that contract was pretty, pretty big. Yeah, I don't think he's actually taken like that much less money because wasn't the player option like $47 million, and that's kind of what the two-year deal is signed for, like $47 million. Um, But I'm kind of buying James Harden with what he's saying. I'm kind of buying it. Good um, luck. Good luck. <laughs> look, I, I, I actually like. I think if James Harden comes back and is healthy, like Philly can definitely win the championship next season with, with the piece oh. they've got around him, and the fact that they were able to bring on PJ Tucker because James Harden took this pay cut. Now Embiid's got no more excuses, baby. I'm kind of buying it, man. And and I'm buying Philly as a legit championship contender next season. Eric. Man, the worst part about the NBA offseason is all we do is talk about the most loathsome <laughs> so true. In the NBA. We go from Russell Westbrook to James Harden. Oh, so true. Hey, we did he do Kenneth Williams earlier. Oh, so. He was such a nightmare. It, it's funny that the uh, rules change um, about the uh, baiting players and the 
getting free throws magically coincided with his uh, hamstring injury, which magically coincided with a precipitous drop in his production. Um, man, I'm so over James. I cannot stand James Harden's game. I hope only bad things happen to him in his career. I hope that he is done. I hope this is the last year we hear about James Harden. Um, good for him taking less than 47 million. That what a what what a mag what a mensch. What a magnanimous player. That is so fantastic. All right, we'll get out of here. I, I can't stand this guy. I don't want to talk about James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. None of these players. Like, can we talk? Let's talk about LeBron played in Drew League, Eric. Do you want to? Oh, my God. Crazy. <laughs> oh, I actually do want to talk about that. No, we're, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> let's hit a break. On the other side, we got to start talking about the narratives for the Nuggets. We're going to be doing this for the next six weeks, by the way, kind of looking at these main storylines. <laughs> like it's so true Uh, we'll get this to the other side we'll start talking about the nuggets what does this season mean at DraftKings sportsbook guys right now the action never ends especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports you can fuel your fandom and feel the key to the season like never before right now DraftKings sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars that's right make your first bet up to one thousand dollars if it doesn't win you'll get another shot to cash it in you can throw it down on all the major action right now baseball golf mma and more plus with same game parlay spreads money lines over unders and props your betting options feel endless download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code dnvr make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars that's promo code dnvr only at DraftKings sportsbook minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details i also got to tell you guys about this raffle that we've got going on um over at the colorado golf association our friends over at the cga have an awesome raffle going on for our our golf fans out there check out the dream golf vacation raffle prizes include stay and play packages at wyalea blue golf course in maui whistling straights a naples golf tour and palm beach golf tour as well as a $5,000 gift card to Brandon Dunes. Head to coloradogolf.org to get your raffle tickets today. That's how you sign up, coloradogolf.org. Anyone who enters before July 14th will also be eligible to win the early bird prize of a VIP experience at the 2022 BMW Championship. So for all that info, to enter the raffle, go to coloradogolf.org. All right, we're back. Final segment here, and now as the offseason begins, we have a clear picture of who the Nuggets are from a roster construction standpoint. And I think we kind of know, you know, the dust is settling. We can kind of look and start to see what this next season is going to look like, at least from an anticipation standpoint. Who wants to go first here? But the first sort of perspective on what this season is going to be all about. Eric? I'll go, absolutely. This season is a return to the storyline that we were previously on. This is the... Next, this is the actual next step. We took an artificial step back last year, and now we have um, what was the most promising collection of players that the Nuggets have put together in a very long time and achieved the highest heights that the Nuggets have ever achieved, really. Um, and now they are back together. We have what is being reported as a clean bill of health for the two players coming back. And now it's also in concert, it's going to, it's, it's a brand new era for the Denver Nuggets. This is the Calvin Booth era. This is the end of the, uh, we don't skip steps era and into the build around the core in a strategic way era where we have Bruce Brown coming in. We have all of these like seemingly very strategic off season signings that should augment and lift the Denver Nuggets to the promised land. Like where we know who we have in Nikola Jokic, obviously we, know who we potentially have in both Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. And now it's like, okay, cool. Like once you've got that core in place, now we've got Aaron Gordon playing his rightful role. Now we've got um, uh, KCP coming in to play that Will Barton role and bring along hopefully more defense at the point of attack, which was what just melted the nuggets all last season. It's just basically it's like the end – the end of purgatory. Like now we're back to the place where we can actually start talking about them the way that we, we all believe that they are. If I can kind of interject here about what you're saying, I feel like one of the questions though is, is this a continuation of the previous step pre purgatory or is this a different team? Because as I pointed out, they're only 
really four players who played minutes the last time this like the team is so different. And you mentioned, you know, Tim Conley's gone. Yes, Calvin Booth is different, but look, but all these guys are different. I mean, even Zeke Naji, who's was there for that portion, wasn't playing. Like all of the guys, basically, yeah. including by the way, Aaron Gordon, who we really only saw for five or six games with Jamal Murray are new. So you've really got Murray, Porter, Jokic. That's the only thing that's the same about this team from the last time we saw it. So it's the question is, is this the continuation of that? Or is this something new and completely different? In my in my in my point of view and the way that I look at basketball in general is just like once you have established the core, the establishing the core is the most difficult part of team building. Yeah. And that is what we have put that the, that those were the steps, getting those guys to play as a unit, and then you strategically place right players around them on the, in the margins to, you know, augment their talents and to bring to the table things that they don't have. And so this era started a while ago. This was the Tim Connolly vision. This is the, this front office's vision that build around Jokic, give him a shooter in Michael Porter Jr. Give him a two man, uh, you know, running mate in Jamal Murray, give him defense. Then with Aaron Gordon made the big trade uh, and then, now it's like, okay, cool. Now we need even more defense, but it's just the continuation of that vision. It's all last season. We just had to be like, all right, well, we'll see what the fuck happens. I mean, clearly we have no yeah. chance to, to go all the way. We know we have the pieces. They're sitting on the sideline. Um, so it's like, we're back, baby. That's the story. That's right. We're fucking back. Let's go. Vote. What's your storyline? How would you like craft this? If you were telling somebody about this season. For me, the championship or bus thing has some weight to it in so far as I think the seal is broken on, on, on what happens if the team falls short. Some of these tough decisions have already oh, been made. Like Gary that. Harris is gone. Will Barton is gone. Monte Morris is gone. And even the, some of the, the less uh, significant pieces, even just like the shows, like all that stuff is gone and, and it, Tim's gone. And, and so I do think this team has everything it needs to win a title. So if they stay healthy and they fall short, that's the way it has to be talked about, right? The past few years, the excuses were built in. The years prior, they were building towards that. I think they're here now. I think they are no asterisk contenders. And so they're going to be evaluated that way for better or for worse. So to me, that era of innocence, that's well in the rear view mirror now. The Nuggets are are, are your mm-hmm. – outside of the fact that they're in Denver, they're your run-the-mill contenders now. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like that. There is like in Hero's Journey, there's like the almost the thing that that raises the stakes and makes you realize this is that the stakes are the highest. And that's kind of what this is. The Wancho era. Wancho's the perfect thing to talk about. The Wancho era is it's like the stakes are so low. There was so much time ahead. Like Wancho was fun. Like does he fit? Doesn't matter. He's fun. Like this is what we're We're gonna gonna do. Dancing, right? Hilarious. It's like the veil has been lifted on that to where it's like. Fun is no longer a substitute for success. It's like, we want fun. We think we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. If, but at this moment, you might have to make some choices where it's like, hey, this is 10% yes. less fun, but 15% more you know, successful. So that's an interesting one. A loss of innocence. Okay, got it. So Eric, Eric, I'm crafting these for you guys. So Eric, it's sort of, you know, ship of Theseus, like this <laughs> new version of the same, the same version. Now it's like finally complete. We're back together. Uh, vote loss of innocence. Uh, Harrison, <laughs> Harrison, how'd you craft this? Um, my slogan was going to be back on schedule, but that's kind of what Eric was leading into. Like, yeah, the Nuggets were on schedule to win an NBA championship or potentially contend for an NBA championship. They have to take a year break. Now they're back and, and they're going to be, you know, just as good as they were supposed to be back then. But my other slogan for this season is just like, let's just fucking crush everybody. Because <laughs> I obviously think that's what the Nuggets could do oh, this season, that. man. Ugh. A vibe I, season? I have never anticipated a Nuggets season more than I'm anticipating this yeah. year. Like this The Nuggets the are going to be so freaking good, you guys. Yep. From day one, yep. I, I just think they're going to crush. And look, there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes up along the way. I think Michael Porter Jr. is under a ton of pressure this year, and I'm just very curious to see how it's going to work out. But all in all, I just think the Nuggets are going to be ridiculously good, 
and they're just going to crush people most nights next season. And, and I can't freaking wait. I love this. So Harrison's is, this is the, like the fun year. I like that. That sets the stage like really, really high. You could be, it allows you to be more disappointed, but at the same time, like if this team is what we all think they are, then this is the payoff. Finally, the payoff is arriving to where the nuggets over the last four seasons or so have been very good. But they've definitely sweated it out a lot. There's been a lot of games. You kind of, you're kind of hinting at this might be the year where they just win some games by halftime, and we get yeah. to have fun in the second oh half. God, yeah, which would yeah. be great. Yeah. Holy like, smokes! When you're not that invested in a team, like like me watching the the Avs, a little, you know, you like a close game. You're kind of like, ooh, this is fun, yeah, whatever. Sure. When you're watching a team, you know everything about them. You're like, bring on the Vladko minutes. You know, like I just want to, oh, I don't yeah. mind this ass whooping. Like, I want to, we're going to be just killing for Jack White, Vladko Chantra minutes next season. Oh, and I can't wait. It's so, it's so true. Um, for me, the story is Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. This is the year we find out. Does it work? Um, yeah. You guys can hear me. It's not my mic that's bad, is it? Somebody's saying the mic is bad, but I, I don't know. Um, I connection. Uh, so for me, if you think about it, Michael Porter's really only played two seasons. His rookie season, the one where he actually played, he didn't play the first like two months. Do you guys remember how frustrating it was that Michael Porter wouldn't play very, like they just wouldn't get on the court. And so you cut out almost the first two months of that season. Then finally he starts playing. Jamal Murray missed an entire month in the middle of that, by the way, while Michael Porter was playing. And then, and then he's back. Then the second year, you get, it's the opposite. Jamal Murray goes out early. So you get the first part of the season together, but then by you know April or March or wherever it was, game 60, Jamal Murray goes out. These guys have only played 935 minutes together as a trio. And we feel like we know what they are. This is the year where I think we at least double those minutes where they, they're, they're both on the court together. And I just think we get a look at it. And again, I put this out on Twitter, but 126 point four offensive rating when those three guys are on the court that's absurd the defensive rating wasn't good i think that this is the, the year where you look at it and say which numbers are more likely to stabilize and which ones can you improve upon i don't know if you can improve on 126 but can you have a 123 offensive rating over a thousand minutes this year i think you can can you get that defensive rating down to a 110 to where you're looking at that team going they're on the court for 12 minutes a game and they win those 12 minutes by six points every single game like Every single game, you just know, no matter who you're going against, you win between six and 20 points with that group on the, on the court. Th that's it. The proof of concept for Murray, Porter, Jokic year, that, that's what this year signifies to me more than anything. Proof of concept one way or the other. Yep. And that ties into my point, too, in terms of the loss of innocence. If you find out that group isn't good enough, I think we're past that. Well, just give them another year. Now, that we'll yep. get to that when we get to it. But I just mean that those conversations – are are upon us now is all yeah that that's this is what the utah jazz just felt find found themselves faced with like we have these two players that we are building around and we have learned that they are not good enough and right. so now they're blowing their team up they're starting over so uh but the difference is, is that we have Jokic, and we're, we're <laughs> i love it man so vibes loss of innocence <laughs> Sounds so dark. situation. I, I, I swear, I, I've been saying this too. I'm with Wind. Like, I believe the Denver Nuggets are just going to come up, just blow the doors off the gate. They're going to win 10 in a row to start the season. Everyone's going to be like, whoa, where'd this Denver Nuggets team come from? We're like, we were, never, <laughs> what are you talking about? Where are they come? They came from the, uh, the IR is where they came yes. from. Like, yeah. back. They They're going to blow everyone out of the water. Nikola Yoke is going to win a third straight MVP. I'm so, it's going to be I great, I, man. I don't come think, along I don't for the ride. There's no way he wins a third MVP. Oh, baby. Well, that's what that's people what said, said about last the second, year. So. <laughs> that's what we said last year. I do think there's a really good chance this season. I mean, a lot of it hinges. I, it's funny, though. I say on Porter's health, it's really Murray and Porter because Porter goes gets hurt. I just think the Nuggets survive it. Um, even Murray right. gets hurt for a short period. I think the Nuggets survive it. Uh, but if you get all of them healthy for an extended run, I just there's such a good chance to your guys' point that you get through Murder. Christmas and it's like Nuggets are the one seed. They got a three-game cushion. And some nights they just play teams like the Clippers and win by 20. And some nights they mm. they just spank teams to where you're like, oh. yeah, this is fun. Uh, God, I do you remember when they just clamped – like when Aaron Gordon just clamped up Kawhi Leonard – and they just beat. They just systematically awesome. decimated 
the LA Clippers when they were at their height. Oh my God. There were moments when everything clicked for that group that you were just like, oh, this is so dope, man. This is so dope. So we finally get that back this year and it should be a lot of fun. All right. That does it guys. Day number one of the, of the off season. We might mess around and snake draft some stuff tomorrow. We're gonna have oh, to- oh, oh, are we snakes? Thanks everybody for tuning in today. Don't forget to hit that like button on the way out. Don't forget our golf tournament that's coming up on August 5th. It's going to be a great oh, outing yeah. at city park. Those are always a lot of fun. Take a day off of work, come golf with us, get drunk, go home, Take a nap in the middle of the day. It's the best part. You go home and take a nap at like noon or one. And then guess what? You wake up and it's Friday afternoon. The best of all. It's going to make your Friday a great day. Call in sick now. Sign up for our golf tournament August 5th. We'll see you guys later. (laughs) Hit that like. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, here. Hold on. We got to have one. one. (laughs) Ending ever. Carlos says, I'm going to fight him off. A summer league roster couldn't hold me back. I don't know how I'm supposed to see that. Question, what's the benefit of getting a steady player as opposed to upside for two-way? We talked about this a little bit, Carlos, um, but it was like he's a steady guy. I don't know how much upside he has, but the Nuggets are in win-now mode. They got a player just for one season that can like plug a hole for them for a month. It was worth it. Like It was all worth it. So, And by the way, I think we overestimate upside a little too much like oh jack white doesn't have upside adonis arms does i'm like i'm not so sure that's true they're, they're both undrafted players for a reason yeah they're yeah, both yeah. the same age also one of them played better than the other no so there you go all right now hit that like button no, yeah, no, no, let's go <laughs>